You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. I'm your host, Tim, and I got an exciting one for you this week, guys. We're doing some listener questions. This is a path we have not gone down in quite some time, and given a relatively slow week in Nerd here, we covered a lot last week, I thought it might be fun to poke at some of our listeners, some of our great friends here in the Nerd Room, and ask them to provide some questions, and for me to run these down this week. I said, anything is on the table, and we got a whole pile, almost 10 questions here to run down this week, and of course, guys, we'll be back at doing some of the more immersion into that Nerd World with Shazam! Fear of the Gods dropping this week. It's looking like it's got a bit of momentum behind it, so very excited to see what Shazam! Fury of the Gods can deliver. But this week, guys, let's take a break. This is the type of episode that I actually thoroughly enjoy doing because it allows me to just freeform here on the podcast. It kind of gives me something a little bit different to discuss here as we continue to find our feet here in the new era of the Nerd Room. So let's get into it, and we're going to start with a couple questions from our good friend here in the Nerd Room, Jared. Now, Jared will be appearing on an episode of Toy Stream Live, our toy talk over on YouTube here in the not-too-distant future. We're going to be breaking down our finds from both, I believe, February and March. So this one is actually quite fitting, this first question here, because I just came back from a short trip to Vegas. What a city. What a time. I won't get into the details there, but he asked his first question here. Of the places in the States, the U.S., you haven't been to yet, where would you want to visit most? Interesting question. I'd have to say probably New York. And as cliche as that sounds, it is a place that I grew up only an hour and a half flight away from my entire life almost, and I never managed to make it into New York. It's a city my wife's been wanting to take me to for a while. We're big fans of Broadway shows. Of course, there's the, the nerd scene there, the abundance of comic shops and collectibles and sites to see, and just that atmosphere. I, I have to run into Times Square the same way that Captain Rogers did, Steve Rogers here at the end of the first Avenger, and just get that feeling in Times Square. I got to recreate that for myself, looking for Nick Fury. No, you know, I, I've been all over the world, guys, but New York is kind of the one place I've I've never actually set foot in. Um, another place that I'd love to go is actually Chicago. Not only are uh, some of the good friends of the show from Chicago, but it's a city that got great sports. It's got great food, and it's not too, too far away from where I live right now. And so both New York and Chicago are kind of on the top of my, my U.S. must-visit states. I'll be down actually in California in a couple of weeks. We're going on a little bit of a cruise, going to hang out in L.A. for a little bit with the family. So looking forward to that. So, yeah, Chicago and New York are two places I would love to go uh, in the future here. I will go someday. And he also asked, what cons would I want to attend aside from New York and San Diego? Well, the number one on my list is, of course, Star Wars Celebration. That's happening here in just a few weeks, the first weekend of April, I believe, that is happening over in London. Good friend Rob Cast will be there, so hopefully he'll be feeding us some insider info as to what it's like over there on the floor. 
but I've been trying to go for to celebration since 2019. The first one, I, I was meant to go down to Anaheim. I believe it's in Anaheim or maybe Orlando. I was meant to go down to the 2019 version iteration of that conference, but my second child was born just a week or so before Star Celebration. So that kind of ended that, but I was able to pass on the tickets to Rick and he had a time. And then I was meant to go in 2021 to... Again, maybe the Anaheim version. And, of course, that was canceled due to COVID. That might have been 2020. Not too sure when that exactly was, but it did definitely was canceled due to COVID. And this year, of course, it's over in London. So it's a bit of a hike for, for me to get over there. So sort of celebration is definitely on the top of my bucket list. And just to link it up to the question from before, C2E2 in Chicago is another one I'd love to go to. They seem to get a lot of great people attending that panels. And there's a lot, always a lot that drops out of that. So those are the two cons. Definitely start a celebration, but C2E2 is also on my radar. All right, the next question comes from Chris Evans. He is from Gathering of the Geeks. Every Sunday you can catch them. But let's look at his first question here from Chris Evans. Would you be interested in another drastic sequel, a total reboot of the franchise, or just leave it alone entirely? Well, Jurassic Park is one of my favorite franchises of all time. And I don't think the franchise in particular needs a reboot. We've seen a lot of stuff recently where they've done these soft reboots where the legacy of the previous films exists, like they kind of did with Jurassic World, but they're able to progress past it. And the Jurassic World films had a nice wrap-up where essentially the sixth film there wrapped up the entirety of the franchise. Would I like to see another sequel? Hell yeah. I want to see this almost dystopian style of Jurassic World, if you will, more akin to what we saw in the Planet of the Apes, most recent Planet of the Apes franchise, where dinosaurs have reemerged in a way where they've started to take the world over. And humanity is kind of on the brink of extinction themselves. And I've been pitching it for a year, but there's a, I believe it was Gareth Edwards, one of his first films, it was called Monsters. And essentially there was a part of the US that had to be quarantined off because I believe it was aliens or something had landed and taken over this this part. And so they built these huge walls and you weren't able to go into this and then the story could be someone trying to transit this quarantine dino area as we we humanity are on the brink of extinction or brink of disaster due to the overwhelming return of dinosaurs. And so this kind of look at how we created these things, we manipulated the DNA, we did all this this work, and it's ultimately led to our our demise. I've I've always liked that concept from the Planet of the Apes. And if you go to that post credit scene or end credit scene on the first new Planet of the Apes with James Franco there, and you see like this virus bouncing all over, I'd like to see something like that where the dinosaurs just essentially take back over. So I think they could do some cool stuff with the Jurassic sequel. They do have to move away from the concept of a park or weaponizing these things. I think they need to leave that behind. But you could build in a lot of the legacy and even some of the elements from Dominion with regards to genetic manipulation and that really cascading and snowballing into something massive for the planet, ultimately causing 
our own downfall and the rise of of the dinosaurs. And so, yeah, I think I think we can, and I think they will. It's a massive franchise. I think they're going to need to revisit this. But going back to the drawing board on something a bit more, I think there was maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity with the concept of Jurassic World as to what they could have maybe played into within Dominion. They kind of leaned into a little bit, but again, it was always isolated to either an island or the park or this place that has this you know perfect topography where it's bound by mountains and lakes or whatever and they're able to contain everything in i need to see that population explode here bigger 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 more dinosaurs and and the return to to power of the dinosaurs i think that'd be really cool all right his second question is you're kevin feige for a day what would you green light all right, well, for those of you that are new or haven't been listening for too long, Kevin Feige is like my idol. I love this guy. I try to consume everything about him. I'd love for him to write a book on his life. You know, at 33, the guy was given to the keys to the MCU Kingdom, Marvel Studios, and he's absolutely run with it. He's considered probably one of the best producers of all time. And honestly, to be him for a day would just be a dream. I'd put my feet up on the desk and I would just enjoy it. But the film I would greenlight, given one day I could do anything I want, I would definitely go with the cosmic side of things. I would probably have to go with, and again, this is something I'll go back to this well a lot, I'd have to go with some form of cosmic event film where we have, you know, the Guardians potentially, like a Nova, and maybe some other characters that we potentially pick up here in Volume 3 of Guardians of the Galaxy. But it would have to be an Annihilation cosmic event film. You know, other, Everything's always been so Earth-centric. And yes, you can argue that in Infinity War, we go to Titan and all this. But it's essentially a lot of it is taking place on Earth. The big battle takes place on Earth. Wakanda battle, all this. I want something that is totally removed. An event-style film that is totally removed. And so that's the direction I would, if I was Kevin Feige for a day, that's the direction I would point. I would Green Knight Annihilation, where essentially the comic run from 2006, I think, it's it's just fantastic. It's always been something I thought would translate super well onto the big screen. And think like Starship Troopers, but in the MCU with all their MCU heroes and the cosmic piece of it. It's bugs, it's Annihilus, it's these hordes that are taking over and decimating worlds and it's essentially where you have Kree and scrawl the guardians and all these enemies essentially creating a single army to fight back and push back against the annihilation wave as it heads towards earth as it heads towards other planets and i think you could do so much with something with that and that that's what i agree it'd be a big event film maybe i'd green light if i could on the side i'd probably green light something like nova maybe a Kree scroll war type of, of film in other guardians kind of build up the, the team post guardians of the galaxy volume three, really focus on that cosmic side of the universe, totally separate and totally dislocated from earth and the Avengers and everything and let it run over in its own little corner of the MCU and build that up. That's what I would green light. That's what I would do. If I was Kevin Feige for a day, man, what a dream that would be. All right, question number five here comes from Phil Walsh. He has a podcast called Phil at the Movies, and he's also part of that trio that has recently brought to your ear holes DC Unlimited podcast. So again, like I said, go give everyone a subscribe there. 
uh, on Twitter as well as check their podcasts out. He asks on the DC side of things, of course, here, what are your hopes for the Batman Part 2? Well, the Batman was my most favorite superhero comic book movie of 2022 that it was just an unbelievable experience experience with the boys experience it with all you listeners and have it turn out the way it did was was special you know i know we're gonna get a lot of batman coming up here in the next couple of years between what they're doing in flash what they're rebooting with james gunn in the dcu but the batman part two is is gonna be a special and a monumental piece i believe it comes out in 2025 here and because they were able to establish such a unique universe where they pulled from a lot of elements of the comic book. They pulled and took notes, I would say, at least from the Nolan verse about how to center this around a more grounded Batman. I think what I want from Batman 2, I want to stay away from the Joker. I want to stay away from, you know, heroes that we've seen before. And if, if I'm going to, I'm going to throw a crazy idea out there. I want to see someone that we haven't seen on the big screen in these more grounded universes. Is it crazy to think about something like a Mr. Freeze? Like, is that doable inside of the Batman Part 2? You know, I, do, I don't want a rehash of of the Crime Lords. I know we're getting the Penguin show and Carmine Falcone has been cast. And I just, I don't want the mob and the the dark seedy corners of, of Gotham to be the focus. Because I feel like we've, we've done that a little bit. And I know these elements are going to have to be part of the go forward of the Batman universe, but I also want to, I also want to veer a little bit towards that, those pieces that haven't been touched in this space. You know, if you, if we can draw somewhat parallels between the Batman and the Nolan universe, the dark Knight, you know, we've got Scarecrow, Joker, Two-Face has been done. Bane's been done to a degree, or of course he's been done in the dark Knight rises. You've got the Riddler, like who's left on that, on that rogues gallery list that potentially could fit inside of that universe, but also be something new. And so I'm thinking, I'm thinking Mr. Freeze. And the the classic story, of course, is to go back to the well of the animated Batman series, how they, they did that so well. They made that fit in this universe. I, th- I think that's something that can work. I'm not saying they need to bring back Arnold Schwarzenegger into that role or be as campy or kooky as they did there. But I, I want to see something something a little different I, I think batman has so much potential and we're going to see him in so many different iterations over the next couple of years i think they have to do something that is quite dramatically different and i think a cerebral take on a mr freeze a misunderstood individual someone that's that's got has this emotional core to him with his wife and what he's attempting to do and how you could maybe relate that into to the Bruce Wayne aspect of it as well as the Batman aspect of it. That That's kind of what I want. I, w- I don't want to rehash, I guess, to answer the question holistically. I don't want to rehash what's kind of been done. I want to see something completely different. You know, the Joker, he'll always be there. We're going to get a film with him. We got a cameo in the in the Batman, of course. Let's, let's step that aside for a little bit. Save him for for down the road, part four, part five, whatever they're going to do. But let's see something different here. That's what I want most from the Batman is, is a different story in that universe. All right, guys, a couple more questions here. Our next one is from Emmett from Gathering of the Geeks. And Emmett asks here, do you have your Holy Grail toy? Well, I guess there's a couple ways to answer this question. Yes and no. So I had a couple of Holy Grails that I picked up 
at the start of last year, including the 1980s sewer set of the Ninja Turtles. I was able to grab the 1980s Ecto-1 from 1984. And these are childhood memories, some of these some of these playsets I was able to pick up is a real playset heavy year. But I have to say, no, I don't have my holy grail. My holy grail is a weird one. So I'm a, like I like we talked about at the top here in that first question with regards to Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is is the franchise or the film, the 93 film at least, that probably shaped my life the, the most. If it if you're asking me what film changed you or put you on a path in your life, it was Jurassic Park holistically one day maybe i'll tell that whole story on how it relates to my job my life everything like literally everything that's happened to me i could tie back somewhat to 1993 and seeing that film and so i i've gone back for for years i had growing up the 93 jurassic park collection was my toy line you know i had the turtles i had the ghostbusters i had power of the force everything but the Jurassic Park toy line was the line for me growing up. And I have the majority of it either from my childhood or I've gone back and recollected most of it. And so that 93 line throughout the pandemic and within the last couple of years, I was able to complete out almost 100% of it. I have all the dinosaurs, all the figures. I have all the figures mint on box. I... I have the command compound. I have all the vehicles with the exception of one vehicle. And that one vehicle is, it's a capture copter. It's called, it is not from the film. It is very much an, an imagined piece of what Kenner put together in this line, but it is something that is so elusive. I've never seen it in real life. I've never held it. I've only ever seen it in pictures. I've never seen it in box. I never saw it in stores. But it's the last piece I need to complete the entirety of the 1993 Jurassic Park collection. And so that right now is my current Holy Grail. I think Mr. Caruso put something out there about the Holy Grail is unattainable because it's always something that's going to elude you because as you get your Holy Grail, you will find a new Holy Grail. But for the time being... My Holy Grail is that. So no, I do not have my toy Holy Grail, but I do have a lot of pieces that I did consider a Holy Grail just a couple of years ago. And then my second question here is a, is a doozy. Is anything for sale from your collection at the right price? I'd have to say 100%. Everything is always for sale for the right price. Now I sold off quite a bit of my collection as I moved here at the end or kind of at the end of summer, I guess last year. And I've really dialed back my collection for a couple of reasons. One reason being 2015 is when I really got back into major, major collecting with the arrival of age of Ultron and the return of, of star Wars to the big screen with the force awakens. And I got into everything from Funko pops to black series. I just got into that Marvel legends became a massive part of my collection in around that time. And I just had too much stuff. And so I've been on this mission to really narrow my focus down to vintage. Ghostbusters, Jurassic Park, Turtles, Star Wars, all that. So I'm still into everything. I'm just refocusing it. And so I've had quite a bit of success selling off a good chunk of my collection. But of the pieces I've kept, I gotta say, everything is sellable and everything you can rebuy. Now there's a few things in here that I would only sell 
out of if I was in a situation where I I absolutely needed the money if someone was sick or I needed to make a house payment or something like that. Now, most of my stuff isn't worth a house payment, but I have a couple things in the collection that would probably be the last things that depart. And the probably the last thing I would absolutely sell is my my slabbed version of Avengers number one from 1963. So the original Avengers book, number one, first appearance of the Avengers, that story with Loki. My wife bought that for me and I got it on our wedding day. I was part of the gift exchange that the bride and groom commonly do. And I got her this wonderful diamond necklace and she gave me this amazing comic book. Now that was in 2013. So that was quite a while ago, and this book has appreciated quite a bit since then. And not only is it the Avengers number one, and it's probably the most valuable piece in my collection, but also holds an incredible sentimental value to me. Because not only is it amazing and it marks my wedding day, but also signifies that true acknowledgement from my wife as to who I am, what I love, and I'm really embracing that and giving that as part of the gift on our wedding day you know, arguably our, our most important day together. And it was, it was just such a cool, cool thing, like a cool piece for the collection, but also something that signifies so much more beyond just being Avengers. Number one, the, the book by Stan Lee that, that really introduced the Avengers to the world and kind of led us to this point where we have these characters on the big screen. And so that would probably be the last piece I would sell but hell yeah, everything's always for sale <laughs> for the right price. Someone's coming and offering me a crazy amount of money for, I don't know, my Turtles collection. Yeah, sure. The Jurassic Park collection, whew, that would be very tough to, to sell as well. It'd also probably be the last stuff out of here. But that's a cool question because uh, because some stuff just has too much sentimental value. But I think for the right price, everything can go. <laughs> All right, the last set of questions, guys, comes from our boy Zeddy. From the Vigilante 1939 podcast. And he's got a couple tough ones here. He's, got, he's asking me to make a decision. His first question is, which franchise do you see 10 years from now having the brighter future, DC or Marvel? Now, I'm going to take this as the film franchises. And we're projecting ourselves 10 years out. Now, long-time listeners, new-time listeners... Uh, I'm, I'm an MCU fanboy at heart. I absolutely love this franchise. I love what they've done. Even the universe as it is right now, I, I still really dig it. I'm still very much invested, engaged, and connected to it. But I do acknowledge that there there has been a little bit of a rough patch here and there. I do kind of see where they're going. And I talked about it on last week's podcast as well. But who has the brighter future 10 years from now? I will have to say with almost no argument, it's got to be DC. And there's two reasons for this. One is, of course, James Gunn's mapped out the next 10 years of the DCU. We haven't seen anything from from that with regards to casting or even footage, nothing. Of course, we're never going to see that stuff, but that's, that's years out. But because they're essentially starting from scratch, because they're able to take a breath, reboot, if you will, reboot, focus their energy towards providing quality and not that there's not quality stuff coming before them but it's just very exciting because it all feels new because they have a fresh clean slate they've got two guys 
in James Gunn and Peter Safran that are shepherding this and are heavily invested in the success of this. And you've also got a parent company that sees tremendous value in the DCIP. And so their future is extremely bright. On the flip side of that, Marvel, another 10 years from now, they'll be looking down the pipe of 25 years worth of movies. And it really makes you think, okay, how much farther can they go with this? How much farther can they go with their characters? Do they have to reboot at some point? I think they can get away without rebooting. You can just do a multiverse sort of tweak and keep the legacy stuff and run it in a different direction. But I do see that universe having to go through a couple phases of big rethinks, big refreshes to get sort of the same momentum and excitement that DC is going to have. You know, they've mapped things out all the way to 2027, or at least the stuff that we've seen with Marvel, with Secret Wars, and and the characters that we've established over the last couple of years in Phase 4. The potential for the X-Men and, and Fantastic Four is very exciting. And the longevity of the universe seems to be there. But I do honestly think at this point in time, peak MCU is behind us at this moment. Uh, that, that culminated with the end of the Infinity Saga. And I think there's great things to come. But that lightning of bottle that they're able to capture with that saga, I think is going to be difficult to replicate at the same scale with the same level of engagement. I think they're always going to be successful, but I feel like I'm on the downslope right now. And yes, I'm going to hit little hills and I'm going to be high. I'm going to be a little bit lower on certain things, but I think because DC has this clean slate, this vision for the future that is brand new, that's the exciting piece. And that's why I think DC has that brighter future. All right, Zeddy's last question, and I believe the last question for this listener question segment here is, what would you like the next theatrical Star Wars movie to be? There's all kinds of stories that are at there, original stories. You know, do we, do we want to go back to the Skywalker saga? Do we want to revisit the sequels? Do we want to go back to the Knights of the Old Republic? I have to say, honestly, the thing I want to see the most is this culmination movie or or series that they they promised us way back when of the ultimate crossover of this Mandalorian centric universe? Mando, Book of Boba Fett, Ahsoka coming up here, the Rebels' inevitable return and first appearance on the big screen. I want to see that universe, that Thrawn story that they've been slightly teasing. I want that on the big screen. And I honestly think that's the best way for Star Wars to come back to the big screen. It's with familiar characters. It's with characters that are people are invested in. It's the characters that are engaged in and that they love. And bring that all together with the reemergence of Thrawn. Tell something akin to the, the original Thrawn trilogy. The chasing of the Dreadnought ships. These ghost ships. And all of the heroes of the new republic having to come together you have the technology now that you can bring in luke skywalker bring in han solo princess leia you know i talked about this last week as well about the the limits that these this technology maybe should be used for but this is an ideal place to use it i think is centered up around this amazing event film that can push star wars back into 
the limelight of the theater without having it be a somewhat large barrier for entry. Like you go to the Knights of the Old Republic, you go to other eras of Star Wars, like the sequel trilogy or beyond that, and you're having to do a whole bunch of work to introduce the crowd to a new generation of heroes, make them care. And yes, I know they do this all the time, but what a way to say to the fan base that is going to be expecting an enormous showing in the return of Star Wars to the big screen, what better way to do it than using this beloved part of the universe? Put your tandem directors, John Favreau and Dave Filoni, on this project. Make it a two-parter if you have to. Tell the Thrawn saga, tell the Thrawn trilogy on the big screen, but have it spin out of your Disney Plus series, of your Ahsoka, of your Mandalorian Season 3, of Book of Boba Fett even. Have a have something else tossed in there that sets a scene for all of this, and you very quickly start to get the feel of of the Infinity War, the Endgame style of culmination film. That's what I think they should do. That's what I would love to see, and and play with this this part of the universe, the post Return of the Jedi. It's an era that the the legacy novels started in. That they that's what exploded out this this universe into something that was so huge and vast and massive and that they've pulled from for the animated series for some of these live action shows in Disney plus do that, bring in Mara Jade, bring in, you know, there's a huge story to be told there. I think that's the story that I want to see. And I think that's the story that could be best for star Wars, big return to, to the big screen and just incredible. Just, just imagine that guys, that would be absolutely something else. Well, guys, that, wraps it up for this week that gives those questions i got a kind of a nice diverse and broad spectrum set of questions here from a lot of friends from some great podcasters so make sure to go tune in to to their shows like i said gathering geeks every sunday you've got fill the movies the dc unlimited podcast and uh, we've got Big Jared jumping onto the Toy Stream Live here in the not too distant future. And of course, Vigilante 1939. They've got your weekly rundown of stuff too, if you want to head over there. So I, uh, I'm, I'm still working on things here, guys, here in the nerd room. I'm, I'm trying to trying to find my footing. I'm finding it difficult to to do that, but I'm I'm working through things here, and I got some ideas on on how I want to progress. I got to sit and and really figure it out, but. I want to do a little bit more of this interaction with with the listeners here too, and and kind of touching on on different subjects as we as we go through here, go through the the year in nerd, and of course we've got Shazam coming up here, so we're we'll reviewing that hopefully next week, and then we get into April May. It's going to be a pretty exciting times with not only the Mandalorian season three running rampant through us right now, we've got Ahsoka coming up here in the not too distant future coverage from Star Wars celebration and, and all the nerd guys from everything from Star Wars, Marvel, DC and beyond. I, uh, I'm looking forward to getting back on the mic next week. I'm, uh, I'm still recovering. still a little bit, uh, a little bit sluggish from my time in Vegas. So I was happy to put together something that was a little fun that, you know, really gave me some energy here and gave me something a little bit more, 
um, a little different to, to talk to. So I appreciate from the listeners that, that sent in questions for this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. And if you want to do more of these, just let me know. You can always email me at thenerdroom at gmail.com. You can find everything I do over at thenerdroom.net. And my Twitter handle is at the end of the episode if you're looking to get a hold of me. So hope you've enjoyed that, guys. And I appreciate you coming back here every single Thursday to listen to all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond so until next week for next big episode next big review for the nerd room i'm tim and thank you so much for entering the nerd room this has been a nerd room podcast production you can find our hosts tim and carlos on twitter at the nerd rm and cdn caped crusade r for more content from the nerd room check out the nerdroom.net and the nerd room youtube channel don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room.